No question about that. It's supported by you, our listeners, through patreon.com forward slash NQAT pod, where you can get access to our weekly ad-free bonus episode talking about football around the Premier League and Europe. Hey everyone, I'm here with Tom. How you doing, Tom? Yeah, I'm good. Frustrated, but good. I know that feeling. It was frustrating again, like the Middlesbrough game. This was United not playing that badly, really, but still not winning. Yeah, the the first half was really good, about as good as I've ever seen us. And that's the most frustrating thing about this, to be honest. It looked like the progression was, was happening, like the tactical... And instructions from Rannick seem to be taking place a little bit, but again at half time we switch off and well for after a minute off after half time we switch off and then it's a completely different game again. Part of the frustration with this game was going forward, a lot of shots again. Thirty shots against Borough on Friday night, twenty two against Burnley tonight. All, all those chances created two goals from I'm I'm trying to add it all up, fifty two shots. It's one goal per 26 shots. It's a great ratio. So that's the really frustrating. The United, the fact United can't, or either creating low quality shots or can't create enough high quality shots to win these games. And then at the back, they just switch off again. And I can't help but look at Harry Maguire and think, my God, you know, he cost 80 million quid, which is not far off what the whole Burnley squad cost. In fact, Burnley were bought by an American private equity firm for about that much. <laughs> Incredible, really. And he, look, he looks even clumsier next to the Rolls-Royce that is Rafa Varane, who was really good, I thought, tonight. Like, yeah. he showed his, his class at times and he was a really good header, which I guess Maguire was at fault with his <laughs> blockage. It's like having... You've got the Rolls Royce of Rafa Varane on one side, and you've kind of got the the nineteen seventies Ford Escort of Harry Maguire next to him, basically. I can't remember what manager it was, but maybe it was when Viali took over at at Chelsea, and he was described by one of the great Italian managers, maybe Trapattoni, as being a learner driver put in charge of an F one car. And and there's something about Maguire and Varane together that kind of feels a bit like that. You know, he's just he's just all quality Varane, and you just want him to be fit because when he is, he's composed, he's classy, he can mix it up. Harry can't really do any of that. No, not really. It's a comedy sketch or something. You have like the good cop and the bad cop, but the, in this case, you have. The good being he's actually good at his job and then you have the bad cop who's just horrendous at his job like Leslie Nielsen in Police Squad or something. <laughs> and and the thing is, you could almost forgive it if he was what we thought we were getting. Uh, a defender who is a leader and he's, I'm not sure he's that, and scores goals. And he doesn't do that either. No, he seemed to score 
seemingly all the time for England back in the day when we were about to sign him. Like, he was such a threat from corners. They used to do that little train thing that we brought in at United for a little bit, and he used to be always a threat. And then he comes to United, and he just doesn't seem to be. I mean, even he scored for England not that long ago and then put his hands over his tits because of the, to silence the doubters. And, yeah, he's done that, hasn't he? <laughs> I was just checking it up and, and Lindelof and Jones were on the bench and, I mean, there's certainly a case for playing one of them. A lovely header by Varane, though. Beautiful. I love the way he celebrated yeah. as well. I love it when a player celebrates like with that much passion and that much like anger. Yeah, and... because I wasn't sure he had that in him, really, Varane. The passion. No, me too. Exactly the same. Exactly the same, yeah. Because a little bit like when, when they are so, so composed and so focused, when he scored, he didn't always let it out. But with Varane, like, it's great to see that he has that kind of, yeah, fight inside of him, as well as being, like, a, a super smooth operator. Yeah, well, talking to smooth operators who uh, are not really sure about the fight, Pogba at one point went mm. mental, didn't he, when he was pulled back in the second half? Yeah, threw his gloves on the floor. Three, I love that. I thought, wow. I mean, look, yeah. the history of Pogba tells us that he's not going to keep performing to a really high standard, and he might get another injury, and he's probably going to leave in the summer, and... There'll be games where he looks like he's off it and not intense enough. And, you know, we've had, we've seen that for nearly six years at United. So mm-hmm. I'm not adding too much to the bank of credit, but he was pretty good again tonight. And I, I like the intensity and the passion. And if he's playing for a new contract at United or, as Ragnick says, a new contract elsewhere, that's all good for the rest of the season. He just brings so much to the team, doesn't he? From a press-resistant perspective, yeah. he's probably the most press-resistant footballer in, in the world because... He's tight control, how yeah. he's just a how he's just able to hold off yeah. players so easily with his frame and his strength is is so impressive. He has an amazing ability on the ball. His goal was fantastic. Yeah. I don't know what you thought of the goal that got disallowed, but I thought that was harsher than the first one personally. Like I don't really know. Yeah. I mean, you look clumsy. I mean, I guess if you just take it on its own, then probably you'd call that a foul mm, anywhere true. on the pitch. But it's soft, isn't it? It's... I'm surprised that they gave that in real time as well. That because that wasn't a VAR one. Yeah, it wasn't, and it wasn't offside, and it it wasn't quite clear. And yeah, Pogba had a polite <laughs> chat with the linesman afterwards to inquire as to why exactly he'd called that off. In between, it was a good goal from United, wasn't it? I mean, lovely, lovely finish, and. Uh, I thought Shaw had perhaps overrun it or he wasn't going to make the cross, but found the right Yeah, that left-hand side was great all day. And obviously at that point it was Rashford and and I I I think I tweeted this at the time, like Rashford's best part, best involvement in the game comes when he's on the left and he spent most of the game on the right. As as we spoke about before, he's not great on the right and everyone knows that. He did did a couple of nice flashy things, but yeah, that goal was great from Rashford and Shaw. Shaw, I thought, was great all night. And the pullback to, to Pogba was, well, maybe not all night, but first half he was especially good. And he linked up really nicely with Sancho on that left. Yeah. And yeah, like I say, the Pogba finish was class because there actually wasn't much room for him to put that, to where to put that. And he made it look so easy. He did. And it was, uh, yeah, right into the roof in that spectacular goal. Did he score a, didn't he score a great goal against Burnley last season as well on the volley? Yeah, volley from Rashford cross, I think. Yeah. Just loves playing against Burnley. I mean, United love playing against Burnley, at, at least yeah. at Turf Ever Moor. since that Robbie Blake goal. Uh, good record there. I mean, such a shithole of a town and a shithole of a stadium. And the fans <laughs> are shithole fans as well. I know I'm getting boring with this one, but I won't cry at all if they go down. I'd kind of like Newcastle to go down with them, but sadly they spent like 100 
odd million in the window and it seems to have given them a bit of a boost. If it's Everton instead, then I'll take that. That's yeah. quite funny too. Anyway, yeah, United, I mean, good for the first 45 and those three, well, the two non-goals and the goal were almost reward for that performance. And then just oh, mm. it's just so loose coming out after the second half, after half time, just so off it and Burnley and just almost from the first move that Burnley had, they were back in the game. And then maybe it's the second move where Maguire gets done up like a kipper twice in the same... I just don't know how it's possible. He get it gets ruined once. He's on his ass. Somehow he gets back, which is, for him is pretty good because normally he's not quick at motoring back. And then he gets <laughs> fucked again. <laughs> just, just desperate, desperate stuff. I know it's a cliche, but it's kind of a cliche for a reason. There are times in a match when you can't concede a goal. First minute of a game, before half-time, after half-time. Because it, the reason why it's a cliche is because it's true. If... They have a massive go at their players, like trying to G them up and everything. They're going to come out out of the traps first five, ten minutes. United yep. just need to settle the game down at this point. Play, just keep the ball for five minutes. Don't leave yourself so open two minutes into the half. Because what will happen is if they go and score, the crowd will be massively behind them. Will They'll get loads of confidence after scoring, think that they're in the game after not being in the game at all for 45 minutes. And as happened and then our heads just blow up as well like our ability to deal with adversity is just terrible Carl Anker put this on on Twitter and I completely agree with him he said that when United do deal with adversity under Ranić, like our complete tactical awareness goes out of the door and it's so true like the players heads almost fry and then they cut they they yeah. just completely forget how to actually take in like tactical uh, game plan or the tactical game yeah, yeah. plan just completely like goes out the window and that kind of happened today like not from well from a mentality perspective we we shut off but also from a, of a tactical perspective as, as well like it was so hard to read that second half because it was just such a scramble such a mess and that all just comes from yeah. if we can hold out that first five ten minutes settle into the game and then yeah assert our dominance like the first half we we win that game three or four nil it's it's just kind of game management a lot of the time. I wonder, look, because Regnick's a systems coach and he's giving them a lot of information and he works on, you know, phases of play and zones in the pitch. And although he's older, much like a modern coach, like especially Tuchel and Pep, mm. very, very detailed. And Rafa Benitez, but let's not talk about <laughs> him. And because he's like that, they're getting a lot of information. They just, they did not have that under Ollie, he was yeah. not that he was like get out there show us what you've got kind of tactical yeah, approach yeah, yeah. to management i'm being facetious but but it's it's mostly true it's more it's more that it's yeah. more truthful than not so if if regnick had six months i think they'd behave differently yeah. because the systems will have been drilled in and they come become second nature it's a bit like the city i mean obviously they've got a hell of a lot of quality and they can swap in and out but when players aren't playing well they revert back to the system yeah and united haven't got that at the moment yet we're like the opposite yeah that's right and and sometimes people point to like leadership and i think it is true there's a lack of sort of natural leaders in this team but there's a lack of intelligence on the pitch as well. Like, what are we supposed to be doing at this point? Yeah. 
You know, Harry Maguire came out after the game and was like, oh, we had to be disciplined for that first 10. We, we couldn't concede a goal in that first 10. Great, Harry. Great, but you were part of the problem. Yeah, exactly. And it's a lack of composure in more than anything. Like, it's even if you do concede that goal, it's, it's having your, the belief and the calmness inside yourself to go, okay, they, we've just conceded a goal out of nowhere. Their first shot of the game, they didn't even have a shot in the first half. It's, yeah, let's just carry on playing exactly how we did in the first half. It's not, let's get really nervous. Oh my God, oh my God, what the hell is happening right now? Like, it's, yeah, we played really well in the first half. We've just had this little blip. Let's go again and just win this game 4-5-1 like we used to do on the Fergie. I know it's yeah. very old times, but even, to be fair, under Solskjaer, especially last season when we dealt with adversity really well, like we used to go behind all the time. It's just... In the last six months, we've just been able to unable to deal with any kind of adversity. Well, it, look, it seems very much like Ragnick is not getting the job at the end of the season, unless there's a situation where, say, Pochettino isn't available for some reason that we haven't yet foreseen. Uh, so he, he is going to be a systems coach having to implement his systems in a rapid period of time. So I suspect we'll get quite a lot of inconsistency mm-hmm. towards the end of the season. The only advantage United have is that other teams are also inconsistent. Arsenal and Spurs and West Ham. You know, West Ham won tonight, but they lost at the weekend, didn't they? So that's the only thing in United's favour when it comes to the only trophy we've really got a chance of winning this season, which is the fourth place trophy. The Monsieur Wenger trophy, as we should call it, <laughs> you know, in, in honour of the great man. Uh, Champions League. I don't... I mean, worst teams in United have won it in the past. Liverpool 2005 was not a great team and they defended their way to victory. They had their own Harry Maguire as well, didn't they? And Jimmy Traore, a similar type of players. Yeah, so it's possible. Atletico are not a good team at the moment. They got hammered at the weekend. So it's... uh, And then what is the quarterfinals? And yeah, maybe... Like things are evened out more over two legs, but it's possible. It's just can you can can we trust this team to defend properly over 180 minutes? It didn't defend properly against Middlesbrough and Burnley, who are about the same standard. Yeah, I don't fancy our chances if we come up against anyone good. But it is knockout football at the end of the day. And like Chelsea won it that time under Di Matteo when they yeah. I know they had a very good defense. To be fair to them. But they still won it against the against the all odds and beating Barcelona in that semi final. You can get lucky and win the Champions League, but yeah, it's going to take like loads of luck or or just like two really good performances. We have seen at times we can put in decent performances. It's just we've not been able to do it for ninety minutes, let alone one hundred and eighty. So I'm not holding my breath. No, that's right. And and the drop off today was pretty. Pretty stark. I mean, there was a drop-off against Borough as well, but it wasn't quite as steep. And I guess Burnley are a better side than Borough. Just. Not much. Just. Yeah. Like, in that fir- in the home game, they looked terrible. They probably looked worse than Middlesbrough in that home yeah. game where we battered them. Fun thing about Burnley is they're, they're... I mean, obviously, Cornet looks like a decent player. They had a fairly quiet game tonight before he limped off. The, yeah. the most technically gifted player in that team looked like it was uh, Vort Veghorst. He's like nine foot tall. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's actually not bad on the ball, is he? Yeah, he had a great effort as well that That's De Gea right, saved. Yeah. That, 
that was a really good save yeah. as well because also the skid of the the pitch like it was raining really badly there like to deal with that bounce was actually because I thought it was going to skid under his hand but it was a great save he got man of the match Robbie Savage voted him man of the match in on BT he did they cost yeah yeah Robbie Savage voted him man of the match not that you should really listen to Robbie Savage but he no, also said that Harry Maguire should concentrate on defending which I thought was quite funny yeah defending himself in a court of law <laughs> no let's not go there <laughs> but enough of that for a week jesus oh god yeah i can't read out what was what was going on in some whatsapp groups but uh, let's just say there was commentary about which of united's potential criminals was the worst oh it's just, what a sad state of affairs anyway mm. sad state of affairs on the pitch that is even sadder than what we talked about last time for at length but yeah, sad state of affairs on the pitch. It leaves United in a really difficult position. A point behind West Ham, albeit game in hand, played three more than Spurs, and I'd really be worried about that because uh, you know their form doesn't look dreadful, although they did lose at the weekend, didn't they? And two games played more than Arsenal, who are also three behind. And oh, and Wolves have got two games in hand over us. It's pretty squeaky bum time that is. Given we play Southampton and Brighton. But then it's into the Champions League and there's Atletico, Spurs, City, like all in a row. It's hard to be confident about United at the moment. I remember at the end of the last pod I was on and we had Middlesbrough next and I said something like, I'm actually quite nervous about this Middlesbrough game. And I thought I was being like dreadfully negative, but it turns out I maybe was right. And it's just... I don't want to be super negative all the time every time I'm on this pod, but it's so hard to be positive about United at the moment. But having said that, the first half today was about as good as I've seen us all season. We were really, really good, almost like Leeds vibes. But then yeah, yeah. second half, it just, <laughs> just goes to You've got to put it all together, right? It, it yeah. looked nice. Bruno was at the hub of everything. I mean, I'm glad Ragnick's gone to basically a 4-3-3-ish. Pogba was not in a double pivot, really. Although he did the work, defensive work, I thought. He's playing to a system that basically suits most personnel. Maybe not Marcus Rashford. but So I'm glad he's done that. And there were times where it looked like it was all together. But the concerning thing is just the the massive drop-off in intensity and the lack of focus defensively. And you've got to put it all together. This is why United are fifth at the moment. And I think it's it's also quite hard to give too much credit to Ranić to for finding his best team, because we would have been able to tell you his best team when he's secured the job. And I know like new managers have their own, they like their own things and they want to try their own systems and they maybe see a, a type of formation working based on what they've done before and based on the players at training and stuff like that like intangibles that we can't really go into. Like we we yeah. just don't know because we don't see the players on the training pitch and all that kind of thing. But he's come to the conclusion that we could have, we would have said that is probably the conclusion that we would have said, yeah, the day he joined. So that's, the, I guess, the frustrating thing as well. Like it's taken six weeks or whatever to for him to play what we think is the best team. And we've yes all of us like not had the manager bounce because of that and i guess there's not been buying from the players because of that maybe probably not been buying from the fans because of that as well who have thought 
what is this guy all about? Like, there's definitely going to be that sort of perception. I've got yeah. a mate who keeps saying, Randy Cow, basically, every time we draw. <laughs> and I think he's joking mostly, but he's not kind of done that great, to be honest, so far. And yeah, I don't blame him in a way. No, 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 me, me neither. His press conference gave us the gave us good impression of him straight away he's good at speaking but it also showed that he's got a lot of detail and football knowledge and he's a student of the english game and stuff and i'm sure he'd seen plenty of united and would have come to a conclusion because the team he's playing now is basically the team that ollie would have played oh, I mean, maybe Wan bazaka would be in for dello or whatever but it's basically the team ollie would have played it's not far off the system either so yeah. i don't blame him from looking at that and going uh maybe we need to try something different yeah. And it didn't take him that long, really. He juggled around, what, for his first five matches, he played five different systems or something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe a few more matches than that. And now he's settled on a team. And what we're getting is just inconsistency because they're not all yet familiar with the system or they're not all sinking. They're not all as intense as they should be all of the time. There's some familiar failings in quality and... It's something I wanted to bring up on the weekend pod and I forgot to, but just basic stuff like people forgetting to do their job, like Scott McTominay at the base of the pivot just disappearing mm. against Borough as they started to break in the second half. I was like, what? So players either not executing in the way that Rangnick wants or um, not able to keep up the level of intensity and just drifting. And this is pretty worrying. It adds up. I know we end up always end up zooming out to the bigger picture with United because that's always the concern. But with the players that are out of contract, the players that need to leave, the players that may be spending some time at Her Majesty's pleasure, it's like United are going to have to spend and bring in a lot of players just to stand still. It doesn't bode well for beyond this season. Yeah. And to do that, they have to be in the Champions League. Yeah, otherwise it's just, it's desperate financially. It's desperate from a player point of view. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's interesting that Rangnick said win the title next year. Like, I know. I'd... Was he seen or is he just doing an ollie and being all, you know? But he's not like that usually. Like, he's usually he's a very like... straight talker. And, and, well, I mean, what he said about Ronaldo before the game, I don't know if you saw that, where he said, we need someone who can run and, and chase the like balls down and, and work hard and stuff. And, I agree with you, but I can't believe you're saying it. You're not going to sugarcoat it, are you? Like, and that's what I really like about Ranjit. But th- that is, these are the kind of things that I, I, I agree with you as well. Like the perception that what Ranjit has done, I actually agree with most of it. It's just, but it's just the perception of the things that he's done is is going to rub yeah. people up the wrong way. And perception, a lot of the time, is reality. I, I wonder what he's like, sort of one on one with the players. Because there has to be another side to that. If he's going to straight talk all of the time, yeah. there has to be a part of it that's motivational as well. Depends on the personality, right? Some types of people respond very well to that straight talking. But not everyone does. And there's lots of different characters in this United squad. And I'm quite sure there's a few of them that need an arm around the shoulder, metaphorical or otherwise, mm-hmm. uh, and need it to be super positive. And maybe if he was long-term the manager he'd be identifying those people and getting them out maybe in Martial he's got one out and maybe Donny I don't know I'm not really sure what his personality type is like but I suspect he's not he doesn't look like a leader driver 
type personality, does he? Not really. Yeah. Not really. I haven't done a Jungian psychoanalysis on him or anything like that, but uh, <laughs> um, not my field. But I expect he's not that kind. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether he really is rubbing people up the wrong way. The stories have stopped, though. I don't know whether you noticed. It's not a, you know, yeah. a flood of leaked stories about how annoyed all the players are with him anymore. Yeah, and that is, that is interesting because, like, tactically on the field, it does look like we are progressing. And that's what kind of creates this kind of feeling inside of myself. Like, a lot of me feels very negative about where we are, but I think that's almost based on results only because performances do seem to be getting better. And like I say, we, we are sticking to like the tactical game plan a lot more. We didn't in the second half today. I think that was more to do with the mentality yeah. rather than the players not understanding it. And it does feel like we're progressing despite the results. Yeah. And that's maybe, maybe, maybe the players are buying into it a little bit more. And that maybe these, that's why the leaks aren't happening, but maybe that's me just being naive and maybe over overly positive. No, I think it's a fair assessment. And look, there there are parts of there are parts of the team that seem to be coming together. Rashford at least for part of the game today looked like he was getting back yeah. to some of what Sancho we was Sancho awesome. Sancho was pretty good that first half, yeah. That's the best I've seen Sancho even in the second half like when he, I think he nutmegged Tarkovsky twice. He, twice or at least he does. looked like it was kind of close yeah. to nutmeg twice. <laughs> Got to call it that. If you're going to do it once, you should call it. But it's unforgivable <laughs> if you don't call it at least one of the two. Yeah, that was nice. And uh, he, he uh, I think anyone who's seen much of the Bundesliga in his time in the Bundesliga would recognise that Sancho. Also, how sort of his direct running is much more dangerous when he's coming off that left. And that does cause United a problem because they have Rashford and Sancho and Alanga all basically wanting to play in that position. I mean, Alanga can definitely play in all, sort of all three spots. Rashford yeah. doesn't look comfortable on the right. I think Sancho, he's less, he's less of that kind of close quarters interplay between other players when he's on the right and looks more, a bit more like a wing, less of a goal threat. I saw someone tweet that if Sancho continues to play this well on the left, then we're going to have to sign a right winger in the summer. Yeah, I know. It's like, so true. I mean, I always thought that narrative was nonsense, honestly. I just didn't, I didn't, mm. and I think it was based on mostly pundits and journalists who don't watch a lot of Bundesliga and just made the assumption based on the two times he's ever played for England. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. And uh, like just an assumption because he's right footed and he, he comes off the right that he's that kind of player. But, you know, 20 years ago he might have been, but now he's not. If he played for City, he'd play off the left for sure, 100%, or Liverpool, either, either. Yeah, no, not a chance he'd play on the right. And that's what makes him so good as well because he can play equally as well on both both wings. He's just, he offers different types of ability on both sides. And like he is... I'm really excited to see what happens to him if we do get the best of him because yeah. we've, got, we've not even seen a glimpse of it yet. I sort of probably saw a glimpse of it today, but the kind of the end product wasn't quite there, especially the Sancho that we saw at Dortmund. There's so much more to come with him. Going to rip it up next season. If you don't get the right balance in the squad, I think it'll be great. The challenge is there's just so much to fix. And the squad will be a lot smaller next season unless United do like seven or eight deals in the summer, which they won't. And Cavani's going, so it will be a forward light. Does that mean Rashford goes back through the middle, assuming that Martial goes as well? Uh, And does that mean Sancho off the left? Who knows? We'll see. But positive signs from him, I think. 
Shaw was good tonight. You mentioned him already. Dallo, I, I like his willingness to get forward. I mean, there's one great run yeah. where he skipped yeah. past like, and somehow he ended up in the sort of left back spot, inside left spot. <laughs> uh, I like yeah. that from him. I mean, his end product. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant the one in the first half Look, as well. Because there's, there's two. two. That's right. Yeah. There's, there's that, yeah. There's that other one where he thought he was, I don't know, Jaden Sancho, yeah. I guess, at one point, where he's just skipping plastic. I like that from him. I don't think he's made any horrendous defensive mistakes. He's not uh, either Trent Alexander-Arnold going forward or Kieran Trippier at the back or some combination of the two of them, you know? Uh, well, that's the thing. Why didn't we sign him? He scored a great free kick yeah. today. And an assist. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Good question. Why did United not sign him in the summer for the sake of 12 million euros or whatever it was? Yeah. But like you say, Dallo is, is playing really well and I, he's, I guess he's learned a lot from that Milan I think so, yeah. I I don't know whether his ceiling's much higher or not, but, you know, maybe. Mm. Maybe. And I just had to go at him one one move where he didn't make the overlapping run and Bruno had to go at him. And Cristiano was... um, I had a word with him later on in the game as well. So hopefully about the football and not anything else. (laughs) They're supposed to be good mates, aren't they? I think they went training together. Yeah, apparently so. I mean, like the amount of Portuguese speakers in the United squad. Yeah, I know. It's uh, it's like the second Beautiful. language, isn't it? Cristiano came on, 22 minutes in injury time. I'm not sure he did a lot. One header, he had a good good chance with a header, which he put over, which was surprising given that's given he doesn't <laughs> run. When he comes on, he's got to, someone's got to find his bonds, which they did, and then he's got to knock it in the <laughs> net, which he didn't. Don't. I'm not getting to the end of my tether with him, but... I'm, I am getting more and more frustrated with, with Ronaldo, to be honest. It's just, it's, he's a very hard character to warm to initially because he's just so petty and so selfish as a man. I hate the way he moans at yep. other people. I hate the way he has a tantrum on the pitch. I hate the way that if you take him off, that's yep. an absolute nightmare and off, and off the pitch. And yep. when he's not even performing on the pitch... I just want to throw my hands up and just walk away because I despair. And I don't want to be too overly negative about him because he he may be able to just turn this around and and guide us to the Champions League like he used to do with Real Madrid. But I just don't see that happening. And there is just, he's just not doing a lot right for me. And and obviously what happened to him that we've got, you've gone over plenty of times on this pod before also is in, the front of my mind and I know people love him and he's a, he's a Man United legend and all that kind of thing but I think the United fans that I speak to Cavani's a more popular choice up top than him at the moment than Ronaldo at the moment I, and that's yeah. probably the same for most his Cavani's mm. movement is great uh, and he just can't he's not fit enough to last 90 minutes and he's not fit enough often enough to justify starting I mean it's quite a question whether he's you know Ronaldo's a better fit I mean the career record would say that Ronaldo's a better finisher, but it's not like he's a bad finisher, Cavani. It's just he's not fit enough. He's not fit enough, often enough, uh, for us to get everything we'd want out of Cavani. But it's a completely different way yeah. United play with Cavani in there than with Ronaldo. His movement in the channels is is great. Ronaldo was running and pressing for a lot of the Borough game, and you can definitely understand why he didn't yeah. start today, because he's 37 <laughs> years old. And it's not his fault he's 37 years old. And he's a freak in nature that he's yep. still as fit Absolutely. as he is at 37 years old. But that is a freakish. There's not many people in football 
stay you know, at the top of the game till they're 37, let alone yeah. perform. And and if he wasn't so bloody expensive, not the fee, the yeah. wages, which are north of 25 million a year plus bonuses plus image rights. United committed three quarters of Declan Rice on Ronaldo. <laughs> Don't say that. It makes me sad. I was talking to Dan at the weekend about it. It, it, it. This wasn't a plan. This is, of course, it wasn't a plan. It was. They got spooked by the fact that mm-hmm. the city were in for him, and and were like, "Yeah, better do it." And there may be some upside. I, I don't know if United, if any of the new sponsors that have come on board, anything to do with Ronaldo. I see they signed a new training kit sponsor, didn't they, this week and or last week. Maybe there won't be much upside from shirt sales. It's low single digits on each shirt sale of the profit, that is. And so hardly any difference there, even if United sent 10 million Ronaldo shirts. Dance at the end. It was sure he played him in, in, in stoppage time and his, his first touch just let him down. It didn't even look like a chance in the end because his first touch wasn't great. Right. Like took him prime wide. Ronaldo yeah. or maybe super confident Ronaldo takes yeah. that touch and smashes it in. Like If he does that, then... I mean, it's, it's not yeah. that I can forgive him for everything else, but it makes it a little, little bit more palatable, at least. He last scored against, well, he scored against Burnley at the end of December. Is and, that a penalty as well? Um, yeah, it might be. He scored against Arsenal, then all the way back to Atalanta. Yeah, I mean, he did help us a lot in the Champions League. but he, Spurs he, in October. Sure, for sure. Again, Dan pointed out the weekend, United wouldn't have qualified without Ronaldo's goals. Now, and United weren't yeah. going to sign another striker. It's not like they were weighing up all the options because if they did their transfer business in any kind of sensible manner, then you plan it out months in advance, not the last moment. But you take that back, even if we wouldn't have gone through the Champions League, but we wouldn't have been playing that style of football either. And we actually played pretty no. well under Oli last season. We've obviously finished second, a distant second, of course. But as soon as Ronaldo came into the team this year, we were completely different, like mentality-wise and tactically-wise. So, yeah, in one respect, we're still in the Champions League because of Ronaldo. But also, would we would we be in this position? Would Oli still be in the job? I don't know. It's potentially. Yeah. And of fact, we can't prove, but it's... Interesting question. And just basically, his performances on the pitch are not that great at the moment. It's been a long time since he's put a really good one in. So all the other stuff is incidental Mm -hmm. to that. Oh, by the way, I didn't mention it. Loved the moment when he's on the bench, told to get ready, pulls out his shin pads. He's got a big picture of himself on it and his kids. I'll give him that as well. And his kids. And he gives it a big kiss. I mean, it's what I do with my underpants every morning. Big picture of myself on my underpants. Give me a big kiss, put them on. I mean, I'm performing today, lads. Oh, man. It would, yeah. If he scored, then I'd forgive him. But my dad, I don't know. I don't think I would. Did you ever see that documentary with Ronaldo? It was a few years ago. I can't remember what channel it was on. It's sort of hour long documentary about Ronaldo, and they were inside his house. I think he was in Madrid at the time. And his house had mirrors on every single yeah, wall. Yeah, I have heard about it. I don't think I could stomach it. Yes, I couldn't. I just, I couldn't help myself laughing at that. That moment when he just these big pictures on there, and he's like, "Yeah, <laughs> give him a lucky kiss." Yeah, unbelievable. Well, yeah, if it works for him, it works for him, I guess. All right. Well, that's Burnley. Did you 
moving on. And if there's anything else you want to talk about at Burnley. No, thank you. All right. <laughs> good, good choice. Did you catch the interview with Wayne Rooney this week? Yeah, it was stunning. I, I mean, great insight into the man. I uh, have to say I quite enjoyed that. Especially enjoyed the bit where... He admitted to wearing long studs because he wanted to go and hurt some Chelsea players. I, there was so much revealing things in there. Look, I I can't believe that football was like that this century. It's <laughs> like he's talking about stuff in the 90s or the 80s. Like, yeah, I was just kind of astounded by so much in there. Yep, he's a comfort drinker. Yeah, that was really weird. I know. Did he say three days that he locked himself away? <laughs> Uh, I mean, there's so much detail. It's a great interview, I have to say. And he's, I don't know, I'm kind of warming up to Rooney, the manager. He's obviously done a great job <laughs> at Derby. Uh, he's, he seems like um, an intelligent man, which he's not given credit for, that understands yeah. the game, the finer details. He might have a good career ahead of him in management. We'll see. But uh, there's, yeah, he's, there's, there's much more to him than like meets the eye. Really is. I, 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 I can't believe how well he's doing. I just... It... I wrote him off completely before he went to Derby. You see his like post-match interviews, especially when he first joined, and he just—he's not a great communicator, at least on in press conferences. But whatever he's doing in that dressing room is working because they won again tonight, and they're only four points away from safety, which is unbelievable. I give think him, he said him. himself it'll be one of the greatest achievements in football if they stay up, and it really will. I think. Liam Ross Senior probably deserves a lot of credit as well as his assistant manager at Derby yeah. because I ma- imagine he's done a lot of work as well. But wow, it's it's unbelievable what that and, job he's doing. And and it's not just that you know it's a bad squad. They're a bad squad. They keep selling players, and they they've had to yeah. like play a lot of kids. And they got Ravel Morrison. They got playing Ravel in that there. Yeah. So yeah. like. Yes. And he's even made him look good. I know yeah. he got sent off the other week against Derby, but like. Ravel Morrison's actually been pretty Forest. decent this season. And like all this, yeah, yeah, sorry. And like it's just all these kind of journeymen he's just getting the best out of. Like Jagielka was amazing until they eventually lost him. And then they throw in someone like Richard Stearman, who's probably about 38 as well. And yeah. Curtis Davis, who was yeah. they were supposed to release last season and they got him on board again. And Couldn't believe he was still playing. It's, yeah, it, I was uh, very confused when I saw him. In it like, it, it's amazing. I'm not I'm not saying that really should be the next United manager or anything like that, but I'd, just, I'd love to see him just have a, a, good, a good managerial career. He'll get another shot after this. 100%. He's done such a good job that there'll be a lot of people want him and he's the name as well. So, I mean, I think Derby's problem, of course, is that the way the administrators are... I haven't got a buyer yet, at least not fully baked in and sold up and paid off all the debts and stuff like that. And they will be levied with another points yeah. deduction if they don't pay off all the football creditors in full. And buyers are being put off by the fact that Derby don't own the ground. It's Mel Morris, the former owner, who just decided to pull all the funding. It was his plaything until he threw his toys out of the pram. It's just a horrible thing he's done to derby i've no love of derby particularly but those fans deserve a lot better than they've got from the ownership uh, and i suspect that he's going to keep them up and then they're going to get a 15 point penalty yeah and i think he'll go after that and they're going to go down yeah. anyway uh, yeah i yeah because yeah. you know why would he he'd have to build from league one with no budget and a pile of debt probably and yeah i think what he's he's kind of seen it as no downside here if i keep them up i've achieved yeah, like he said in his own words, one of the greatest achievements in, in football 
if I go down, well, I was expected to go down anyway. So, and then I'll just get a new job elsewhere. Like it's no loss for him. And I still, still think he's raking in about 60 grand a week or 80 grand a week or whatever, despite Derby's huge problems. They've got a real shot because Barnsley are terrible, Peaceborough are terrible and Reading have lost five in a row. Exactly. And also the fact that Derby have got so many points as they are, have now, they just continue to play like they have done all season. They'll stay up easily because they've, yeah. to, to even be this close when you've, cons- when you've had a deduction of 21 points, incredible. Like Mel Morris, like you say, it's also a disgrace, absolute disgrace. And it is important to say yeah. that because he is also a local lad. It's not like he's a lot of kind of foreign invest- investors get huge, huge stick in this country. Like, and there's a lot of xenophobia that is, is like an undercurrent because of that. But Mel Morris is from Derby and he's basically destroyed that club, his, his local club, um, which is... Like you say, if, if if they even survive to the end of the season, it, they might not even survive to the end of the season. It's that bad. It's it's like the eighty-five yeah, yeah. million pound in debt or something. Yeah, it's a huge amount of debt. Uh, a good chunk of it's to football creditors. A whole bunch is to HMRC, which they'll pay a few pennies on the pound to probably, unless HMRC really want to go after them, mm. which they've done in the past, and then they might be forced into a winding up order. But they're just not an attractive proposition for investors. It, you're looking at a even if it even if they buy the club for a pound, to they're looking at then yeah eighty odd million in debt, much of which can't be written off, uh, otherwise they just keep getting more points deductions, no kind of squad at all, to to get out of possibly League One next season and having to pay rent to the former owner yeah. on the ground. Now, they're the only real potential tenants. So I guess they're in a decent, they, uh, new owners would be in a decent negotiating position, but no guarantee. I mean, look what happened to Coventry yeah. in the Rico Arena. Yeah. This is why when people talk about the need for a proper fit and proper owner's test or whatever it's called and proper financial regulation, this is why, this kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And not just applied once to someone 15 years ago but applied every single year if you're an owner you have to like in spain they have to the president has to provide a bond to the spanish league wow. to demonstrate the financial worthiness so anyway it makes a lot of sense yeah he's doing a, he's doing a great job and yeah. it was a fascinating interview and the only unforgivable bit was that when he had those long studs on he didn't snap john terry's leg that's the only unforgivable <laughs> bit Roy Keane came out and got an eight-match ban for saying I went out there to hurt him. In his, uh, and that's the reason why Haaland won't join Man United. Yeah, Thanks a lot, yeah. Roy Keane. It's all Keane's fault. <laughs> yeah, it's only that, yeah. He'd, 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 so, he'd we're such a tantalising prospe- prospect, exactly. aren't we? The fact that his dad played for Leeds and City. Uh, yes. We've got a game at the weekend, Southampton. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't want to say anything about it. I'm too nervous. How do you reckon it's going to go? I think if we play like we did today, for longer than we did, and if we actually are able to finish our chances, we'll be completely fine. Southampton are a very on and off team. They play well against big teams because Haas and Huttle seems to throw all of his emotion into it so much so that yeah. when the game ends he usually ends up in tears on the sideline he does yeah and and they will be a, a very tough prospect but like 
this this the thing like I, so much of me thinks that yes we we can go out there and just go on a bit of a run now because we have the capability like i see that first half and it makes me frustrated like i said at the start of the show it makes me really frustrated because we have got the capability we have got the talent we seem to have the the right tactical game plan now it's just i think it's a lot of its mentality and and it's tough to, it's so hard it's like a flip of a coin of what united team will turn up and how long that united team will turn up on on saturday they give yeah. you a, a call i'm going to say one one <laughs> yeah, no, I've no idea. They squeaked past Coventry in the FA Cup, and um, I guess when they played Tottenham on Wednesday as well in the league. So uh, I guess you know I get the advantage of twenty four hours extra mm-hmm. rest and recovery, which is all use- useful. I-, I did see them play Manchester City a couple of weeks ago, and they were pretty good in that game. They were, they? yeah, yeah, defensively sound as well. And it wasn't just backs to the wall, but they did defend well. Mm-hmm. So. Just the kind of team United aren't very good at. One that presses and you know, makes Harry panic and one that defends well. So we'll see. Ralph versus Ralph as well, isn't it? I think Haas and Huttle took over from Ranić at Leipzig. Right. Or, yeah, I think that's the way around it happened, yeah. Perhaps uh, Ralph Haas and Huttle will have a word with uh, Ralph Ranić about why he's abandoned Red Bull. It's yeah. like disavowing the bible isn't it dropping a 4222 if you're a disciple of Ragnick. <laughs> I know exactly yeah yeah he's probably out of the circle now out of the red bull circle that's it <laughs> drinking mon- monster drinks on the side it, it's communicated you are no longer one of us his wings have been clipped oh we see a ward prowse free kick into the top corner 89th minute at the stretford mm. end no i don't want to jinx us let's hope united put in the the kind of performance that we have done for a lot of the last two games, but with some end result. All right, I guess that's it for this week. I'll be back at the weekend. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. And stay safe, everybody. And we'll see you after Southampton. Bye now. Sweet. <laughs>